This morning I brought with me a chocolate cake, which I'm quite frankly surprised is still here. Um, it's been sitting here a while, but uh, I like chocolate cake, and so I'm gonna, we're going to pretend. Does anybody have a birthday today? Embarrassing anybody. This week? Have a birthday? All right, so we're going to pretend it's your birthday, okay? So what do you do when you go to a birthday party, you've got a birthday cake? Put candles on it. You light the candle, right? And whoever's birthday it is, they do what? Get embarrassed, yeah. You, you make a wish, and then you blow it out, right? Well, Clemson did a study a little while back that said before you blow out the candle on a birthday cake, there are 189 different bacteria, 183 different bacteria on a birthday cake. After, all right, my, my, my folks here who love germs, listen, okay? After you blow out the candles on a birthday cake, there are 2,889 bacteria on the birthday cake. So anybody that wants this cake now, you're welcome to have it. Those of you that were tempted to eat it before the service, now that I've blown on it, yeah, some people don't care. Uh, it, can, it can be a race at the end of the service to whoever wants it. A lot of nasty stuff comes out of our mouths, doesn't it? When you think about that. At birthdays, but, but that's not the worst. The worst thing, the nastiest thing that can ever come out of our mouths is when we take the holy, powerful, majestic, almighty name of God in vain. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we continue our series called 10, God's Blueprint for a Morally Excellent Society. We've been in this series for the past week, uh, four weeks. This is week four. We're on commandment number three. Uh, four weeks with an introduction. We're on the commandment Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We've looked at how the Ten Commandments are a blueprint for life, a blueprint for society. Uh, We've divided them up. The first four into two categories. The first four commandments deal with my relationship to God. The first four show me how I relate to God and loving Him and relating to Him. The last six show me how I relate to others, loving others and relating to others. You can take the Ten Commandments and divide them up. Again, we're on week three. We've got one more that shows us how to relate to God, and then we'll move on to relating to others. The Ten Commandments show us God's standard. They were never meant to save us. That's not their intent. They were meant to show us, to point us toward our need, to show us our need for salvation. The Ten Commandments should always be placed right beside the gospel. The, the, book of the, the, the book that is the Bible is God's story of salvation from beginning to end, and the Ten Commandments play a vital role in that. They show us our desperate need for salvation. Again, place them right beside the gospel. And they're just as relevant today as they were when God gave them to Moses. Once we're saved, the Ten Commandments guide us on God's right road, and they guard us against the world's wrong road. They are guardrails for life. They show us how to live in a way that's pleasing to God. They show us how to live in a way where we can love God and relate to Him and how we can have meaningful, peaceful, deep relationships with others, loving others and relating to others. So the Ten Commandments are just as relevant as they were. Commandment one is God revealing Himself as the one true God. Commandment 2 shows us how to relate to Him, to know Him, and to relate to Him, to be known by Him. Commandment 3 is talking about His name, the reverent, holy name of God, and how to carry the name of God in our daily lives. 
as we live for him and to do it in a way that pleases him, that honors him. So in verse 7 of Exodus chapter 20, let's look at the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Do not take the name of the Lord in vain. As with the other commandments, there's a negative side and a positive side to this. The negative side is don't misuse the name of God, plain and simple. The negative is don't misuse my name, God is saying to us. But the positive side is that we get to carry God's name with us through the world. We as followers of Christ, as God's children, we carry the name of God with us everywhere we go. So we get to be ambassadors for God himself. We can share his name and we can call on his name. Paul Dickinson wrote a book about names. He looks at the most peculiar names, uh, interesting names that he's found. And he, there's a section in his book that talks about names that obviously it seems like these people were named and they were destined to be in a, a specific line of work. I'll, I'll share a few with you. A guy by the name of Joe Bunt became a baseball coach. A guy by the name of Dan Druff, not making this up, Dan Druff became a barber. <laughs> Jeff Treadwell became a podiatrist. Go forth and catch them. Two guys, separate guys, go forth and catch them. Both became police officers and became partners on the police force. <laughs> O'Neill and Prey, two guys, became partners in church, building church equipment. O'Neill and Prey. Wonderfully Trembly became a psychologist. And this one's my favorite. You might maybe, maybe not want to hire this guy. A plaster contractor whose name is Will Crumble. I don't know if you want him doing your sheetrock work or not, but nonetheless, names have meaning, right? And some more than others. In the Hebrew culture, names were very important. The name of a person represented their character. The, uh, the essence of who they were was wrapped up in their name. As we look in, the, in, in this commandment, when we're talking about the name of God, we're not just talking about this specific name because, again, in this day and time, the name meant more than just the, who the person was. Their identity was bound up in this. You know, we don't really pick names today. Some do, but, but in our culture, in America, we really don't pick names based on what they mean. We pick them because we like them. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes we pick them because they're a family name. It's pa been passed down or, or whatever the case. Sometimes we do pick them based on their meaning, but that's not uh, a, an important thing in our culture. But that's, that's not the case in other parts of the world. As a matter of fact, in China, uh, where we adopted Eli from, that the names are very important. His, his Chinese name is Ying Nanjiang, and Ying means hero. And when we adopted him, that, that, that was important to those who had named him, not that we had to keep the same name, but, but uh, his, our guide in his city that carried us around and, and led us through the adoption process there wanted to know the meaning of his name that he has now, Elijah. And he, he knew that that was a biblical name, and he, he wanted to know, he said, is Elijah, he's kind of a hero in the Bible, right? And I said, well, yeah, he is. He said, well, good, because his name means hero. It was important to him to know the meaning of his name and that that meaning be carried on in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But, but the meanings of names in some cultures still is, is very important. 
We don't pick names typically based on their meaning, but that doesn't mean that our names aren't important. They are very important. And we know that while we may not pick names, we know that God picked his name and did it intentionally, the names that he's given himself. But for us, names are important. They represent our identity. They represent our character. They represent our reputation, our authority. I mean, think about it. Your name represents your identity. When someone calls your name, it, so, it tells them who you are, but it also tells them whose you are, right? Who you came from, your family. So there's identity wrapped up in that. There's reputation wrapped up in your name. You've heard people say, well, that guy's making a name for himself, haven't you? You've heard that phrase. Well, that means he's making a reputation. Somebody with a good reputation has a good name. Somebody with a bad reputation has a bad name. When I I mention specific names, things come into your mind, what you know about them. I mention the name Martin Luther King, and you immediately think something, right? About his character, what he did for civil rights, for people. I mention, on the other end of the spectrum, I mention the name Hitler. All sorts of things come into your mind, don't they? You know, and maybe in a more fun way, I mention the name Elvis, All sorts of things come into your mind, right? I could go on and on. The name Joe Paterno, a a guy who was interviewed in in 2012, the the once famous, well-known coach of Penn State, then disgraced. He was interviewed by Gentleman's Quarterly Magazine, and here's what he said. He said, my name. I've spent my entire life trying to make that name mean something, and now it's gone because... Regardless of what you think of his coaching abilities, we all think negative things when we hear that name now, don't we? Names mean something. Names represent your reputation. They say something about who you are. They also represent your character. Once you have displayed characteristics, a certain character, your name is forever tied to that. Your name cannot be separated from who you are. We see in the Bible, in Hebrew culture especially, People would name their children after certain character traits like honesty and justice, hoping they would display those those traits or would later name them based on on traits they had displayed. We see God changing people's names in the Bible. And the reason he would do that is because he would change their lives, their character would change, and he would give them a new name that represented that character. We see Abram become Abraham. We see Jacob become Israel. We see Simon become Peter. God changed their character and gave them those names to represent that character, the the qualities of their lives. Names represent authority. If a police officer stops you, he says, stop in the name of Bugs Bunny, right? (laughs) Of course not. He says, stop in the name of the law because that name has authority. It represents authority. And your name represents a certain amount of authority, some more than others, but there's authority in your name. You know, in my house, as the spiritual leader of my home, there's a certain level of authority that's attached. Uh, Again, some more than others. I could go through a list of names that would make you think of of high offices that those people held and the amount of authority authority that they had. But there's authority there. The name of God, while we may not pick our names with intent for the meaning, God gave himself the names he did because of what they mean, what they meant and what they mean. The name of God is to be sanctified. It is to be holy. 
wrapped up in the name of God is the very essence of who he is and all that he's done. So when we look at verse 7 of Exodus chapter 20, that word vain, to take the name of the Lord in vain, that word vain literally means to misuse God's name in a thoughtless, insincere, frivolous, or a flippant way. So when we take the name of the Lord in vain, that's how we're using the holy, majestic name of God. So this morning, we're going to look at how God identifies himself and look at what it means to take his name in vain. Look at verse 7 again. The part God says, I am the Lord your God. God, that's Elohim, the majestic name of God. And Lord, Yahweh, that's the intimate name of God. God is identifying himself as the intimate, yet holy, majestic, one and only true God. God says, when you misuse my name, it's a big deal. When you take my name, think about the Lord's Prayer. We're taught to pray, hallowed be your name. We're taught the importance of the name of God. We see it displayed through all of his names and time and time again in Scripture. So God's saying, when you take my name, my holy, perfect, majestic name, the intimate way I've shown myself to you as well, when you take my name in vain, you're using it in a careless, thoughtless way flippant, frivolous way. How dare we take the name of God and use it that way? But we're all guilty of it at some point in our lives. So how are we guilty of this? Well, there, first, there are three different ways that we're guilty of taking the name of the Lord in vain. Three different ways. We're going to look at how we're guilty of it and then how we can avoid it. Uh, we're talking about oral hygiene this morning. We're going to practice some spiritual oral hygiene and, and learn how to do that. Three different ways. The Israelites... There were three ways they typically misused the name of God. So putting this in context, one way they would do it is that they would take an oath or make a promise in God's name and then not keep it. Okay, that was very important, taking an oath in the name of God. Another way was whenever they would mix worship of God, the one true God, with the worship of idols that surrounded them, which they did from time to time. That was misusing the name of God. Another way is whenever they used God's name for their own agenda to get ahead. That was misusing the name of God. And they would do that. They would use God's name for personal gain. We have very similar ways, different but similar ways of misusing the name of God in our culture. One way is through profanity in the name of the Lord. I mean, you hear this and you probably know people that do this, that use the name of God in a profane way. Speaking of the tongue, James, in James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says, We praise our God and Father with it, the tongue, and we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers, these things should not be. Now, people do this in a vulgar way. Now, listen, what I'm about to do, we are, this is for teaching purposes, okay? So don't leave here and tell everybody the preacher was cussing this morning, all right? Because that's not what I'm doing. But we need to understand the seriousness of this. People take God's name and use it in a profane way every day. You hear it on television. You hear it in conversation. Again, you probably know. Maybe some of you even struggle with it. But what are we doing when we do that? Let's look at what that means, okay? The name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the one and only true God who creates it all, sustains it all, and rules it all. And then the biblical word damned, okay? What does that mean in the Bible? That means to sit in a place of judgment and curse someone to hell. 
So when I'm using that, those two names together, here's what I'm saying. I am sitting in the place of God and cursing someone to hell. How dare I? Or at the very worst, I'm cursing him. Now think about that. The holy, powerful, majestic name of God using it in a profane and vulgar way. Yet people do it carelessly, thoughtlessly, every single day. We use it in a profane way. America is one of the most foul-mouthed nations in the world. Did you know that? And it gets worse every day. People think they're being macho and tough, or they use it to try to impress people, use foul language to try to impress people. Think about when you were a kid, the first time you cussed, you thought, hey, I'm, I'm a big deal, right? But really, it takes absolutely zero intelligence to use cuss words. Zero. I mean, I can teach a three-year-old to cuss, right? I can teach a parrot to cuss. Really. I mean, it it means nothing. My grandmother used to say that, that foul language, that cursing was just ways that an ignorant person would talk because they couldn't think of anything better to say. And she's right. But, but we use it to intimidate. We use it to, to be tough, to try to, to, to impress upon other people our importance. We think we're big, but it's dumb. I mean, really, it takes no intelligence to do that. I mean, it just proves you can't think of anything better to say. But people struggle with that. And I know it's a real struggle for some people. But it takes discipline. Hear me. It takes discipline to control your tongue. It takes discipline, especially when you're angry. When you stub your toe, when you whack your thumb with a hammer, when that guy cuts you off in traffic, especially around here, right? It takes discipline to control your tongue, but that is what we are supposed to do. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is if God has control of your tongue and not yourself, because in the flesh, we tend toward those ways, but using any type of profanity, especially taking the name of the Lord in vain is serious. Now, God's a loving and forgiving God. If you accidentally take his name in vain, he's going to forgive you. But listen, if it is a habitual part of your daily language, I'm not the judge. I would never try to judge your heart. But if it is a, a, a habitual part of your daily language, I have to wonder if you really are saved. Because as Psalm 139 verse 20 says, only enemies speak that way about God, enemies of God, for they speak against you wickedly and your enemies take your name in vain. You can't be a child of God and still be an enemy of God. So is it a habitual part of your life? We have to be careful. We do it in a profane way. We also do it in a a thoughtless way. Maybe you don't struggle with profanity, and, and good for you. I hope you don't. But maybe you struggle with this. Now think about how do we take God's name and use it in a thoughtless way? OMG, social media, thoughtless way, or... And again, for teaching purposes here, oh my God, it's hot outside. And God says, thanks, I didn't know that, right? But we do it, right? We take God's name and we use it flippantly. We use it carelessly. Or, oh my God, that's a beautiful new car. And you you say, well, I don't mean anything by it, but that's the point. It's thoughtless. We're taking the holy, powerful, majestic name of God and we're using it in a thoughtless way. How dare we? I mean, there's some words it's okay to use thoughtlessly, but not the name of God. Don't ever take the name of God and use it in a thoughtless, careless way. Satan loves it. 
hear me, Satan, you think it's not a big deal, but Satan loves it when we diminish the name of God in any way, thoughtless or not. Whether you think it's serious or not, Satan loves it when we diminish God's name because that leads to further diminishing of the name of God. Profanity, using God's name in vain in a vulgar or thoughtless way. That's one way that we take the name of the Lord in vain. Another way is broken promises in the name of God, in the name of the Lord. Broken promises. William Barclay says this. He says, we do well to read this commandment in the memory that anything we say and anything we promise is said and promised in the name and in the presence of God, whether we use the name literally or not. If you call yourself a Christian and you make a promise, you are promising in the name of God. So when you break that promise, you're breaking a promise that you made in the name of God. Ecclesiastes 5.5 says, better that you do not vow than do not vow and fulfill it and not fulfill it. Or than vow and not fulfill it. It's better that we don't promise at all if we can't keep our promises. In other words, examples. Uh, when you lie, if you were to lie under oath in a courtroom, you, you're taking an oath in the name of God on God's holy word. You lie in a courtroom. That would be one way to do this. Another way, when you break a promise to a friend, again, if I'm a believer, I'm promising you something. I may not say in the name of God, but I'm doing it as a child of God carrying his name. I break that promise. I'm breaking a promise made in the name of God. When we swear in a trivial manner, again, teaching purposes here, oh, I swear to God I didn't drink your Coke. Trivial, but swearing in the name of God is taking God's name in vain, in a trivial manner. Different ways that we break God's, God's promises that we make in his name. Unholy practices is the third way that we take the name of God in vain. Unholy practices. You know, this could be just living an inconsistent life. You know, saying you're a follower of Christ, but living in a way that's inconsistent with that. You're carrying the name of God. I'm going to live as a representative and an ambassador for God. But if my life doesn't match what I say I believe, then that is taking the name of the Lord in vain. A truth we need to remember. As believers, we carry the name of Jesus and we claim the name of Jesus. When our conduct contradicts our claim, then we are taking God's name in vain. We carry the name of Jesus everywhere we go as followers of Christ. And when our conduct doesn't match that, then we're taking God's name in vain. 2 Timothy 2.19, the last part of the verse says, Everyone who names the name of the Lord must turn away from unrighteousness. Titus 1.16, They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, disqualified for any good work. We live inconsistently, saying we're followers of Christ, living another way. Another way we live inconsistently is by building up our own name instead of the name of God. Now listen, it's okay to make a name for yourself, to accomplish things, to achieve things, but everything we do should be for the sake of the name of God, for His glory, as His followers. We should magnify God. Everything we say should be for His glory. Another unholy practice is using the Lord's name in order to intimidate people. Some people are pros at this. You know, God told me to tell you this about you. All right, I've got a word from the Lord. You know, and listen, some people, but when I hear that, my, automatic, my spotty senses automatically start tingling. You know, God told me to tell you something. Well, he's going to tell me too if, if he's really saying it, right? Not that God doesn't use people, but some people do it. And listen, we need to be careful when we say we're speaking for God, don't we? Have to be very careful. We see people do it all the time. 
You know, God's given me a word. Do you see people do it to intimidate? You know, God told me to tell you to lend me money. You know, we've seen televangelists do that before, right? If you don't send $1,000, we're going to have to pull the plug. Well, I say pull the plug and stop intimidating people because that's what you're doing. Intimidating. People do it all the time, using God's name in order to advance their own agenda. Be careful when we speak for the name of God. Parents, listen, we do this. Uh, you know, you've tried everything with your child, still misbehaving. You've taken toys away. You've put them in timeout. You've spanked them. And finally, we pull out the big gun. If you don't stop, God's going to get you. I mean, you know, but that's intimidating. Don't use God's name to intimidate. I mean, there, there are several different ways that we can use God's name in a manner that's intimidating. Spouses, hey, God told me we need to buy this new Jaguar. How can you argue with that? God said it. I've prayed about it. God said we need this brand new shiny car. It doesn't matter. We can't afford it. But how are you supposed to argue with that? People do that. Listen, when I speak for God, why do we do that? If it's not actually him speaking, we do it because who can argue with that? I mean, really, if I say, hey, listen, I've prayed about this and this is what we're supposed to do. And it's not. It's hard to argue with that, but you're misrepresenting the name of God, and people do it every single day. In the world, they call that forgery, using somebody else's name. I've had my identity stolen before. In 1998, somebody got a hold of my wallet, got my social security. You still had social security numbers on your driver's license. I had my social security number, and for an entire year, that guy made my life a living nightmare. He got He opened up credit accounts in my name. He got speeding tickets in my name. He did a lot of other unholy and illegal things in my name. We finally, he finally got caught because uh, a friend of mine on the police force in Coleman, they, there was a warrant out for me in my name. It wasn't me though. It was him. And we got there and realized that they had him in jail under my name. He used my name to do all sorts of unholy things that caused me problems. That's forgery. And so when I take God's name and I use it to advance my own agenda, what do we call that? Well, it's spiritual forgery. And it's not the way we should carry the name of God. It is an unholy practice, taking God's name in vain. Using the Lord's name in order to indulge is another way. Well, you know, God told me I didn't need to do this yard work today. I just don't feel led to get out of bed this morning. You know, I, I've, I've prayed about this and I just, I don't, I don't think honoring this business deal I made with you is the right thing to do. Honoring this contract, God told me I don't need to do that. That's breaking a promise that you made if that's, if that's what you do. Use, we use God to cover up for our own indulgences. During a commencement address at Duke University, Ted Koppel said this. He reminded the students who were graduating, he said, What Moses brought down from Mount Sinai were not the Ten Suggestions. They're the Ten Commandments. And this, like all of them, is a serious offense when we take the the name of the Lord in vain. As His people, God expects us to obey His commandments. Particularly this one today as we're looking at this, making good use of the name. So how do we do that? There are five principles that we're going to use to help Break this cycle. These are principles of oral hygiene, right? Spiritual oral hygiene. Oral hygiene is big in our culture, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it is. We have all sorts of products that we use for oral hygiene, don't we? We've, I brought, went by the dollar store and got a few of them yesterday. Mouthwash, 
you know, toothpicks, floss. Got all sorts of good items here. So after whoever eats the cake, you can pick one of these up and use them after you get done, all right? So what's, what's one thing hopefully everybody does a couple of times, a few times a day? Toothbrush, toothpaste, brush your teeth, very important. You want healthy teeth, healthy gums, you brush your teeth. And after you eat, brush your teeth, maybe you floss. It's always a good practice to floss. So we've got some floss here to use. This is one of my personal favorites. These are these nifty little toothpicks that have these little hard brushes so you can jab them in there and make your gums bleed, <laughs> get the food out, and then you can massage them with the other side. You know, these nice little dental toothpicks. And then these are the, this like I call it fancy floss. It's got a toothpick on one end and the floss on the other. It's pretty handy to have around. But all of these for the purpose of oral hygiene. Got mouthwash here, right? Now, why do we use all of this stuff? You know, I mentioned all of the germs on the birthday cake, right? And on the front of this mouthwash, the first thing it says is that it kills germs. I couldn't find one, but, but some of them will say how much, like 99% of bacteria in the mouth. It kills 99% of bacteria. So that's why we use all this stuff. We want to kill the germs. The thought of having germs in our mouths is just, we don't want that. And again, that's a good thing. But when we're talking about oral hygiene, spiritual oral hygiene, you know, this stuff takes care of things on the surface, right? But spiritual oral hygiene, you know, surface remedies aren't going to take care of it because what we're talking about today, whether it's taking the name of the Lord in vain or unholy speech or unholy practices, th that's a matter of the heart. It goes deeper than just the surface. So we need to have solutions that are spiritual, that are, that are heart healing solutions. So let's look at five principles that are principles of spiritual oral hygiene that will help us keep us from spreading the germs of taking God's name in vain. First is keep your words clean. Be intentional about what you say. Because what you say, whether you realize it or not, what I say has great consequences for better or for worse. The passage that speaks to this perfectly, James chapter 3, verse 3 through 10. Now when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And we can... We consider ships, though very large, are driven by fierce wind, and driven by fierce winds, they're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest, uh, a forest, a small fire ignites, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. Verse 7, every sea creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We praise our Lord and Father with it, and we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouths. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Again, Verse 8, no man can tame the tongue. Why is that? Because it is deeper than just the physical problem. It is a matter of the heart. If we're going to have clean speech, then our tongues have to be controlled by God himself, not us. We can't do it. 
Another way to practice good oral hygiene spiritually is to keep your words credible. You know, be a man or a woman of your word. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're not, then don't. Consistency, integrity. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Again, you've heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because of God's throne or by earth because of his footstool or by Jerusalem because it is the city of the great king. Neither should you swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair on your head, white or black. But let your word yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. Plain and simple. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're not, then don't. Be trustworthy. Be Practice integrity, because when once those things are broken, man, they're hard to earn back, aren't they? Trust, integrity is built up. Keep your words consistent with your character, with your heart, with your actions. That's another way we practice good oral hygiene, spiritually. Keep your words consistent with who you say you are. Live consistently. Mark Chapter 7, verse 6, he answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They say one thing, they do another. Our words should be consistent with our actions. Luke six forty five: a good man produces good out of the storeroom of his heart, an evil man produces evil out of the evil storeroom, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. You, know, you can put on a good face, pretend for a while, but eventually what's in here is going to come out. And again, it's a matter of the heart. Good, just surface remedies aren't going to fix it. It's got to go deeper. Your heart has to be transformed by the power of the gospel, by the power of Jesus. But once my heart is controlled, then my words will match what I do. My actions and my words will come together. Keep your words commending, positive, encouraging. Use positive words. One of the great ministries that we have as followers of Christ is the ministry of encouragement. We get the privilege of encouraging other people to grow spiritually and in their walk with Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another, therefore, and build each other up as you are already doing. We need encouragement, and we can practice encouragement. Keep your words committed to the glory of God. That's another good oral hygiene practice. Keep your words committed to the glory of God. This commandment, make no mistake, this commandment, is about the glory of God. His name represents the essence of who he is. Wrapped up in his name is all that he is, God, all that he is, and all that he has and is and will do. The essence, the character of God. We, God is deeply concerned and should be. God is deeply concerned about his glory. Look at Psalm 29, verse 2. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory due his name. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of his holiness. Psalm 33, verse 21, for our hearts rejoice in him because we trust in his holy name. God is deeply concerned with his holiness and we should be as well. I've got a photo that I brought. This is the New Horizons satellite. And in 2015, uh, in July of 2015, this, this satellite reached Pluto. It was launched nine years prior to that in January of 2006. It took that long to get there. And this, this satellite traveled at 28,000 miles per hour. 
It traveled about 3 billion miles and at 28,000 miles per hour, as it passed Pluto, it took photos of Pluto at 7,800 miles above the surface. Now think about this. It's pretty amazing, right, that technology that we can do that. What if that satellite passing by Pluto 28,000 miles an hour had turned around and looked back at Earth? Number one, it probably couldn't have seen it. But if it could have, it would have just been a tiny little dot, a tiny little speck. Why do I bring this up? Folks, we're not as big as we think we are. We get this idea that the whole world, the whole universe revolves around us. But God, he created everything that we see. He created Pluto. He created our solar system. He created billions of solar systems. We look at all that God made, more than billions of solar systems. He created billions of galaxies with billions of solar systems. He created it all. He sustains it all. He governs it all. We are just but a tiny speck in the vast expanse of all that he created. But God came to this tiny dot The one who breathed it all. Psalms tells us he breathed it all into existence. And the one who breathed it all came to this tiny dot to save us. He stopped breathing on the cross. And then three days later started breathing again when he was raised from the dead. So that he could conquer death and defeat Satan and save you and me. And listen, he did it because he loves us, all right? He did it because he he wanted to save us. That was part of his plan from the beginning for salvation. So yes, he loves us. Yes, he cares for us. But can we just for one minute agree that looking at the vast expanse of creation, even salvation, can we agree for a minute that it's not about us? It is about the holy, powerful, majestic, glorious name of God. God did all of that for the sake of his name and his glory. And you know what? He deserves it. So when we take the name of God and we use it in any other way than a way that represents the holy, powerful, majestic, glorious being that he is, when we use it carelessly, thoughtlessly, frivolously, or flippantly, when we take God's name in vain, that's serious. It's all for the sake of his glory. Everything that we do As followers of Christ, everything that we do in this church should be done for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. My life should be lived for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. The ministries that we perform here should be done for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. The worship that takes place here and in my life should be done for the sake and the name of Jesus Christ. Because His name is the name that is above all names. The name that at which every knee will bow on heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father, the name of Jesus. The glorious, powerful name of Jesus. This starts in salvation. You want to take God's name with you and be an ambassador for Christ? First, it begins with accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior. You can't carry the name that you don't have. You can't carry a name if you're not in that family. 
Unless you're adopted into that family. And God offers us a way to be a part of his family. Again, the creator of the universe came to this tiny dot and gave his life and was raised from the dead so that you could be saved. It begins there. But it continues as I, as a follower of Christ, take his name. I bear his name in the world each day that I live. So the lesson for today is that the name of God is powerful. The name of God is holy. The name of God should be honored and respected. You can't take God's name in vain, but here is the positive. The positive is, is that as a child of God, I get to take the name of God with me wherever I go. I live in his security, in his protection, in his provision, and I work and I serve with his authority and his power. The name of God should be maintained as holy. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us salvation. Thank you for giving us your name. We are your children by the work that your son Jesus, Jesus, that you did on the cross through your death, your burial, your resurrection. We now can carry your name as your children. We have your provisions, your security, your protection, but also we speak by your name. We work under the authority of your name. We serve under the power that your name represents. And I pray, Lord, that we would never use your name in a careless, thoughtless, or flippant way. That we would take serious the representation that we have, that you've called us to have of your name. Lord, I know that carrying the name, your name, begins with a relationship with you. And I pray that if there's somebody here today who doesn't know you, who has never received that salvation that you offer through Jesus and Jesus alone, I pray that during this time of commitment they would come and allow me to share with them how to make that important decision. Lord, I pray for those of us who carry your name daily, I pray that we would just take this opportunity to allow you to search our hearts and show us, God, if there's any way that we misrepresent you in our lives, whether it's, it's, it's through speech in a vulgar, profane way, or if it's by our actions each day, they don't match who we say we are and what we believe. If, if there's just some way that we misrepresent you, I pray that you would show us and that we would use this time to confess our sin to you and to allow you to show us how to get right with you and to turn our hearts back to you in that area. Lord, whatever it is, however you've called us to respond, whether it's privately as we pray and spend time with you during these few moments of decision, or if it's a public decision that needs to be made, I pray that we would respond in obedience because any hesitation in obedience is disobedience, that we would obey instantly. Lord, we thank you for giving us your grace and your mercy, for giving us the opportunity to respond to your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for invitation?